Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. joining you for the third time this year in our season three revival as i'm calling it and joining me as ever i've rejected his deal but he has survived a vote of no confidence it's me old mate showbiz paul benson hey paul <laughs> hey rob i'm all right deal or no deal on the tape mate what do you want to do let's just remain yeah let's, let's remain on the podcast shall we let's we re- split it up let's do that indeed we don't want to talk about politics we've got uh um, we've, got, we've got Dean Ayas coming up later on in the show, and he's got some uh, some feisty opinions. So let's not yeah. get him into. We don't want to talk Brexit with Dean. Oh, no, no, no one wants to listen to that shit. They want to talk about wrestling. It's wrestling. Enjoy it. That's our little. Uh, that's our little catchphrase. And we've been. I've been enjoying this week. It's been a great week of wrestling. What do you think? Yeah, fantastic. You know, I think Raw and SmackDown. Certainly, SmackDown's picking up immensely. Raw maybe still got a long way to go, if I'm honest. Uh, and then obviously what we're talking about today, NXT UK TakeOver, has been tremendously, tremendously fun. NXT TakeOver was a good show. We're going to be talking about that with the Twisted Genius Dean AS very, very shortly. But before we do go on to the, uh, the big positives, um, what is the, uh, the worst thing that's going on in the world right now? And why is it the Jimmy Uso and Mandy Rose storyline? <laughs> it's not that bad. Oh, it is right. Aside from all of, <laughs> aside from all of, the, I'll be quick on this. But aside from all of the usual problems that you might have with such a lowbrow storyline, right? The whole point on SmackDown. Sorry if I'm ruining SmackDown for you, but I'm really not. The whole point of what happened on SmackDown was Mandy managed to get him into her hotel room, and then a cameraman rushed out and took a picture and ran away. So the whole point of this, all the way along has yeah. been to capture him on, on, a, on a picture and presumably send it to Naomi. It's on the telly! Smackdown's on the telly! It's a two-camera shoot. Because <laughs> not only did the camera follow him down, he looked this way and that way outside the, outside of the hotel room with a cameraman next to him. And then when he walked in, there was another cameraman in the room. Three words, Rob. Suspension of disbelief. That, that, It'll make your life so much easier. No, 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 no. <laughs> because all the time they talk about, re- they do it as a live. Imagine if you went into the dressing room of a sports team at half time, but actually secretly there were no real cameras in that dressing room. Absolutely ludicrous. One of the worst things I've ever seen. And that is saying something given what Mandy Rose was dressed in. So and anyway, we'll, we'll move on from that, uh, that horrific piece of television. Uh, but, and we'll celebrate the positives as ever and we're not going to do too much Royal Rumble chat this week in fact we're not going to do any Royal Rumble chat nope. this week because we did lots last week and next week is our final show before the Rumble so we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cover things into it next week we will cover things like Finn, Finn Balor being in the uh, the title match and any last minute thoughts on the Rumble match uh, next week but uh, just generally speaking how are you feeling about the Rumble I'm feeling pretty excited about it now mate I'm I'm 
I can't help myself. You know, Royal Rumble always gets me. Um, we discussed last week and the week before how we've been burned a few times recently. Last year was great. I'll never not be excited for the Royal Rumble, and I think the card looks great. I think it's really fun card, top to bottom. Um, I'm, there's not really a match on it. I'm not excited to see. And did you see now we've got Nakamura against Russo for the US title as well? Yeah, that's added. There's a lot. It feels like there's a lot of matches. There's going to be a couple of these there's are going to be on the uh, on the old pre-show. I well, think, yeah, uh... there are. You know, you've got two one-hour rumbles for kickoff. Um, Brian AJ is not going to be ten minutes, presumably. Um, oh, I'm, it's it's just going to be great. I'm yeah. really really excited. Another title match, two women's title matches. Yeah, there's not a lot of room for uh, for stuff on this. Um... Oh, this broadcast could be a long, long night and indeed early morning, but uh, yes, we cannot wait to uh, to share it with you. This is the point where I hand over to my old mate Paul because he's got all the things prepared and he's got all the details in front of him because I don't have to do any of that kind of work, you see. I worry about the things like <laughs> recording what we're saying. He does all the details about trying to make us some money. So over to you, Paul. Plug Central. No music no, no music bed for you this week, but uh, plug away. Royal Rumble, very, very shortly coming to uh, 12 venues across the UK. Do your thing. Well, do you know what, mate? Um, I made a decision this week. I'm going to give our, our listeners, our, our long-suffering listeners, a rest from my pluggage. Oh. Frankly, Royal Rumble is selling immensely well, right? Oh, well, it's well, doing immensely well. It doesn't goodness. need our help. So if you want tickets... You know where to get them. If you don't, you can go to facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling and all the details are there. But guys, it's, it's going to be big nights across the country. A couple of them are nearly sold out. So yeah, no need to plug anything. No need to push tickets. Just join us. Wow. Okay. No need to mention no mention, mention hookedonevents.co.uk or ringsideworld.co.uk. That's fine. Or indeed Ticket Taylor. No, no need to mention any of them. We won't mention any Plug of them. In fact. Free zone. Well, wonderful stuff. And we'll, <laughs> are we are we going to even mention the fact that uh, there are spaces available for the sheep quiz or not? Uh, no, there's no need to mention the places are available for the sheep quiz because um, people have got nearly another week to enter at hookedonevents.co.uk. Um, do you think we've hidden our adverts? almost as well as Comrade and Bruce well do you know what Paul I was thinking that to myself the other day when I was chewing on my blue chew and shaving with Dollar Shave Club (laughs) and I thought to myself that I really should be getting someone to give me these things rather than paying through the nose um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I think we've uh, I think we've done a good enough job almost a good enough job that I don't have to mention the email that you sent out this week uh, in which you said to people happy sheep new year and I said I wanted to say why not happy you year you know you missed, oh, uh, bastard. missed, I missed the opportunity that, there so there we go I won't even mention that because I'm feeling in such a good mood well let's crack on then shall we what can let's we do? crack on and let's uh, say we're going to uh, be joined very shortly by uh, by our old pal uh Dean Ayas from uh, he's from the Because WCW podcast uh, along with his colleague Liam Happ a show that you've appeared on Paul and I haven't well yes because they like me more is is the honest answer but I'm I'm told that they will they've got a long way down the list now mate and they're going to get you on soon Oh yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, uh, but uh, if a few other people, you know, that can't speak, pull out, then I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll be, I'm sure I'll be involved in. No, he's, a, he's a very much a favourite guest of ours, and he's a, uh, he's a big friend of Hooked On. He's, he's he's hosted at some Hooked On parties before as well as Dean. And that's another thing I do want to mention. I know you don't want to do too many plugs, but uh, there are some very very cool uh, announcements to be made very shortly about some of the uh, the Hooked On hosts, and I don't include me. So uh, just want to get that out of the way, Paul. You didn't mind that one little bit that snuck no. through, did you? No, that's fine. That's fine. It feels like the, that episode of Raw back in the day where they did away with commercials but then just talked about KFC through every match. 
we'll do a we'll do a subtle uh, see if you I tell you what, what see if you can spot when we're talking to Dean that we'll probably do I don't know about an hour and a half or so uh, I, I would imagine at some point I'll just in the background I'll just whisper popcorn chicken and just, you can just, <laughs> and just see if you notice me doing that and if I do that then you'll know I've been paid off there we are I think by the way we'll be talking to Dean for uh, approximately an hour and 36 minutes no no stop letting daylight in upon magic <laughs> doesn't matter the fact that we've already spoken to him and now we're recording the introduction afterwards you're ruining you're ruining this show you're ruining the illusion I've just moaned about bloody two camera shoots and now we're shooting things in a non-linear fashion and you're oh it's, it's what you do what you, you call do? yourself a professional <laughs> anyway okay none of that that's, that's, actually, that's actually not that is absolutely not true we are doing things genuinely live on the up and up we are and i think so you will catch me making an edit right about now okay then joining us now to discuss nxt uk takeover who better than someone that knows his way around the uk scene better than paul and i certainly he is the best a man can get or at least he's the best a podcast can get at late notice he is the twisted genius Dean AS, how you doing, Dean? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, um, you you find me. I'm, I'm actually visiting my parents tonight, so I'm I'm currently sitting in uh, my old childhood bedroom talking to you. Uh, please, please tell me there's a sunny poster on the wall. <laughs> that not there, there, are, there are no posters on the wall uh, anymore, but um. The, my my childhood or teenage bedroom, it was the era of Missy Hyatt, I have to say. <laughs> oh, I forget you're about older than us. Well, as <laughs> yeah. long as you remove the staples, Dean, then it's all good. Indeed. And um, I'm I'm visiting my my barking mad parents. I'm I, I said to I said to Rob earlier, I'm I'm wearing a baseball cap that my my dad said to me. He goes, "What's on your hat?" And I said, "It says Hard Rock Cafe Toronto." Oh. Where'd you get that from then? <laughs> the Hard Rock Cafe in Toronto. You haven't been to Toronto. Yes, I have. And, and I realised it was actually 16 and a half years ago. It was WrestleMania 18 that I visited Toronto. Good Lord. And, and then, as I said to Rob, this does mean that legally I can fuck my hat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think I responded by saying don't say that on the podcast but there we go that's that, that's that one gone up in smoke fairly on I knew I was going to need the uh, need, need the swear button tonight how many are we going to how many can we get away with Paul I don't know how I many think we're allowed I think under the FCC um, TWA TNA NWA guidelines we are allowed seven Dean swears oh is that oh, right okay well, Yes, you have standards on this podcast. I'm not my... <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's been that's being very charitable. Um, <laughs> standards can be low, I suppose. Right, Dean. There's a reason we've um, we've got you here tonight, and that's not just because someone else cancelled this afternoon. <laughs> um, <laughs> someone you do a podcast with, indeed. You do you want, do you want to slag him off? Because you you Liam, can if you like. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the invite, pal. Liam Hat. Un- unbelievable. Um, but uh, he does do a very good podcast with me because WCW. Follow us on Twitter at because WCW for all your podcasting and post Wrestle Kingdom panel needs. <laughs> needs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Indeed. Well, then. Anyway, we're we're very pleased to uh, to have you here. And actually, it's quite apropos because uh, uh, for those that uh, don't know, uh, being serious for a moment, uh, Dean has been involved with the British wrestling scenes. Is it fair to say for about twenty five years? Twenty years. Well, you had an anniversary recently. Which was it? It was 25 years, 25. November 93, yes, I'd started, so this is my 26th year wow. now. 
not bad. You'll get the hang of it one day, I'm sure. But um, the, Dean knows his knows his way around. He's very well connected, so he's a perfect person to uh, to chat about NXT UK Takeover, which uh, took place uh, just four or five days ago, as we are recording this from the Empress Ballroom in Blackpool. It's a show that's been extremely well received, I have to say. I watched it myself this afternoon, just before uh, recording this. I think you boys watched it when it was live and on at the time. Let's start right. with you, Dean, since you're our guest. Um, what did you think? Just uh, in in brief. Was it a good experience for you watching the show? Wonderful advert for the standard of British wrestling, for the raucous atmosphere of lively British crowds. Um, not a bad match on the, on the show. Well-paced. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Okay. Paul? I thought it, um, I thought it massively exceeded my expectations, actually. I was a little bit negative about it going in, just because... I wasn't quite sure that it was I, I felt like it was a bit like you're putting lipstick on a pig not to be derogatory to, towards British wrestling in any way shape or form but it just looked to me on paper like they were maybe trying to make out this was a bigger more important more special card than it was um, I was really pleasantly surprised that um, it had some really good action I don't think it was brilliant top to bottom but I think it had some really good matches and the atmosphere as Dean said in that ballroom you know I've been there myself for WWE events for the UK Championship tournament and that crowd is just first class and that came across so well on screen it was a great advert and it, it was it was good because it was the night that the, for me it legitimised the brand um, I've always felt before that NXT UK for the past few months really just felt like any other indie brand in the UK with the WWE logo slapped on um, you know and it didn't really do anything for me but I think it came of age on Saturday night, which is a great thing. Okay, the fact that you said um, the phrase "lipstick on the pig" closely followed by the, the the expression "make out," I got a bit worried about there. But so you redeemed yourself in the end there, Benson. Um, yeah, well, I want to talk about the the, the brand itself to begin with, and I, I certainly want to delve into the, the crowd situation um, uh, as this goes on. But in terms of the uh, the brand, there was a few people, and I'm not saying they were right, and I'm not saying they were wrong, but there was a few people saying, "Well, the." Orlando Development Center opened a few years ago and it's however many rings and it's got gyms and it's got weight rooms and it's got places you can record TV and places you can stay and internet facilities and classrooms and, and actually they opened one in uh, in Enfield and it's two rings and in a gym in a warehouse. That sounds a little bit harsh but I can see where people were coming from so I think there was maybe a little bit of a go let's put NXT on the front of something and hope it... Uh, uh, it makes something a bit better, which I think is what you were getting at, Paul. But I think if we just take this in, in its isolation and just say, forget the WWE branding, forget um, anything else to do with it, it was simply a really entertaining two-and-a-half-hour wrestling show, wouldn't you say, Dean? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was... Yeah, you you came came away from that show... Feel, it, it didn't feel like two-and-a-half hours. It, it flowed nicely. Um the, all the matches were were different. Um, you know, you had the far. I mean, the the pace of the tag team opener was phenomenal. I mean, with those four yeah. guys, in, you knew it was going to be a, a good match, but they exceeded my expectations. Um, you know, every every match was was different. You had you know you had the the novelty of seeing Finn Balor wrestling on NXT UK. You had the emotion 
of the chase in the women's title match. You had the hard-hitting impact in the no-DQ match. And then you had the the competitive intensity in the chat, the title match main event. So everything everything was a you know gave you something different. Yeah, that's a very fair point actually. The, the variation in different types of matches because um, Paul and I have had some rather heated discussions before here on the uh, the podcast, particularly about NXT, the brand in the states. Um, and one of my issues is often that I'm. I'm just not sold on sometimes the NXT style if there is a single one and I think it can be a little bit overrated at times and sometimes that means that uh, we have some strange discussions on here but I didn't think that there felt like an NXT UK style it felt like a bit of a they always say about you know it's a circus idea if you don't like the animals you'll like the juggler and if you don't like the juggler you'll be entertained by the clowns there's there'll be something there for you and it keeps it different I did think that was really interesting because the first match although I'll say I enjoyed it I wasn't wild about it like some people were because I find that kind of constant movement tag match a little bit choreographed and it feels to me a little bit more like a dance than a wrestling match although I did enjoy this one I thought that both both teams played their part well it's just not my kind of thing I just have to accept that I'm the one that's uh, that's missing out there Do you know, Rob, but for the most sorry, part apart from I, the can I just from... interrupt there because that's really interesting you say that because my notes on that match that I really enjoyed it because it felt very old school uh, I, I share your thoughts on the highly choreographed stuff but I I felt like that match felt like something out of 1991 um, and I mean that as a as a compliment um, so I think me and you saw that match and saw something very different out of it maybe it sounds so Dean do you want to be uh, piggy in the middle or decide one way or another I've, I've got to go a strong thumbs up for that one I mean you know with, with a multiple person match and especially the calibre of those four guys you know, you've got the advantage of constant action um, you know especially in the as, as a, an opening match to, to draw people's attention. You know, if you've got someone, especially someone abroad who may not be familiar with the UK scene and they'll, you know, they might tune in and say, well, let's see the first match. Let's see what it's about and see if I, I want to give the rest of the show a chance. You'd be certainly wanting to see what the rest of this UK scene is about from, from that one match. I thought it was uh, to, to quote Brian Dixon, action, action, action. So yeah, I, I swung thumbs up for me. Okay, so I wasn't necessarily saying thumbs down by any stretch. In fact, I, I did enjoy the match. It's just that Paul and I were coming at it from, from different views. We seem to have seen the match differently. The fact that you just said action, 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 that suggests, Paul, that Dean saw it similar to me. I don't know. But it's, it's interesting that you can watch a match and, and come at it from, from different perspectives. I am absolutely not saying it was uh, not a good match. It wasn't. I, it was a good one. I enjoyed it. I just felt that it was, uh, if it, at times it just strayed into the, um, it felt like it was a, not a list of spots, it wasn't a, you know, a TLC ladder match by any stretch of the imagination, and I loved the fact that there was very, very clear babyface and heel, in fact that kind of went all night really, the, the crowd mm. knew who they were cheering for and booing all night, which I really respected. Um, I just thought it was it was just not necessarily my kind of thing. But again, it, that's that's my issue. I don't think I think that's my issue, not theirs. It reminded me strongly of one of my favourite tag matches ever. It wasn't on the same level as it, but it reminded me very much of the uh, American Alpha versus Revival match from um, Takeover in Dallas before WrestleMania 32. Um, okay. I f felt very similar in the way the the teams were um, positioned the action in the ring, the fact that it was a pure tag match. Obviously, the heels won in this case rather than the faces, but other than that, it really drew a lot of parallels. Right, here's my first... I'm sorry, go on, Dean. I was going to say, I would, I would love to know what the uh, an, an American viewer would make of uh, 
So I'll say that again. I'd love to know what an American viewer would make of these shoes off if you hate Gibson. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, that was uh, that was different. Um, well, again, I want to come to some more crowd uh, crowd issues in in a wee bit. Um, I'm going to say my last thing on the tag match. Um, it's my first. I do have a few kind of tentatively scheduled controversial comments, and I, they are not me saying them to be controversial. They are my opinions. Here's my first one. I think Trent Seven holds Tyler Bate back mm. I think Tyler Bate is considerably a better talent in terms of I enjoy watching him more I think he's got more of a defined character I would like to see Trent Seven turn on Tyler Bate and I think the two of them one on one on one would be better than the team I think because I like Bate a lot better but I could see I don't I've never seen Seven work heel but I could see him being a better heel than a face Dean what do you think I agree. Yes, he he could easily go go heel and be a complete arrogant prick or some kind. Yeah, he he'd be a, a a great heel. I think the thing to bear in mind with Tyler Bate, he's only twenty one or maybe twenty two now, but he's very very young. Um, you know, he's very young. Trent Seven is by comparison quite old uh, for a, for an indie wrestler in that respect. Um, so you know, there's still a matter of you know he can still be guided by you know after all he he was trained by Trent Seven. Um, Good point. There's plenty of time um, for them to be to be split apart. I think yeah, it's inevitable. I mean you know Tyler Bates obviously was the first in, uh, NXT or so the first WWE United King champion. So yeah, there is he's he's already got pedigree in in singles, but um, I think that at the moment that the, the um, you know the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts or whatever the saying is but you know that they, they, yeah. they they work great as a as a team um once that's you know when when and if that starts to to die down a little bit that's when you can split them up but right now they're you know the peak of their popularity they're they're stronger as a unit yeah i cool. i agree with you there dean someone described them to me on saturday as uh, trent zevin being a dad bod ricky morton um and I thought that was pretty apt because that's kind of the role he plays and he plays it well if if they want them to be a tag team they're a good combination and it works well it's it's good for him to get the heat on um, with the with the heels and then Tyler Bacon come in and do his, his thing as he does so excellently but you're right you know eventually they need to break Tyler out on his own but as Dean quite rightly says the kid's 21 what were we doing at 21 we weren't lifting two guys on our shoulders in front of a worldwide wrestling audience were we um the not guy, often. The guy, <laughs> the guy's got a lot of talent, a lot of potential, no rush. I guess it it brings you back to a different sort of point, which is I remember talking about this right back at the very start of the original NXT. So this is going a, a long, long way back, seven or eight years, maybe more. Which is how much are you content to have a brand which is vaguely successful in itself, and having a TV show which is entertaining in itself, or how much are you trying to produce? you know, people for the future. For example, you know, you two are both football fans. Dean's a Nipswich fan. Paul's a Grimsby fan. I'm a Plymouth Argyle fan. All of us would be very happy if our team won the FA Youth Cup, for example. Yes, be, be nice. Hang on. We'll be very happy if we won the FA Youth Cup. But I think we'd rather have a couple of players get into the first team and be superstars than win the FA Youth Cup. Do you see what I'm saying? So WWE would want NXT UK to be a success, but if they can produce two, three, four people for their main roster that make a difference, that's probably more important longer term. So I think people are going there 
and there'll be there'll be people with their and this is goes for the the NXT you know brand itself as well. Um, I think people will be going there, and WWE will have different expectations for them. Some of them they'll be going, we can use him in the future, and others they'll be going, he's a nice steady hand to uh, to keep this brand going for a wee while, and then we'll we'll move him on in three years time and go with someone else. Do you see what I'm saying, Paul? Yeah, I do. Um, the youth cup analogy is a good one, but I think I think we're going into uncharted territory in certain ways. So WWE have got you know four genuine brands now. Forget the Raw SmackDown thing. They've got WWE, they've got NXT, NXT UK, and 205 Live. And I think we're probably going to be see into a realm where certainly guys on those bottom three ro- rosters are cycling in and out of each of the shows, periodically appearing on the main roster. And you're probably eventually going to get guys coming down from the main roster, filtering through the system. And you're right, there's going to be certain superstars, as you put it, like who, who should be pushing for the first team, and you can't hold them back. We've spoken about this previously with AEW making waves now. You know, guys like that who WWE maybe could have used to anchor a lesser brand previously, like, you know, off the top of my head, uh, a guy like, well, let's use Pete Dunn. They could have kept Pete Dunn down in NXT forever um, and kept him as, as the man to, to keep that brand going. But what happens now if AEW come in for an offer with Pete Dunn with national TV exposure, big money, main event slot, et cetera, et cetera? It becomes more of a consideration. So I think talent will naturally find its level yet they'll still dip in and out if that makes sense it does indeed I'll come back to AEW next but uh, just your, your thoughts on the previous point Dean it's um, yeah it, it's interesting I mean as far as you see I'm, I'm I, my perspective is slightly different because I kind of think about the the UK scene and the independent UK scene as as a whole and that side of things, I mean, I, there are there are people there there are a few people on the NXT UK roster that I can easily see going to NXT itself. I can I can easily see Pete Dunne going to the main WWE at some point in the not too distant future as, as well. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's also it's giving it's giving British guys a full time living doing the thing they love. So, which, yeah, whichever way you look at it, it's at least in the short term, it's a good thing. Yes, well, um, we'll, we'll we'll try and touch on the, uh, the the wider ramifications for the for the brand as well with you, Dean, because obviously you'll have a, a unique perspective on that as well, which would be uh, good to discuss. I just wanted to bring up the uh, the AEW thing really quickly there, uh, Paul, and, and just also touch on you know British talent on a wider scope. So we we talked last week about you know um, British talent that are out there, and obviously you can talk in terms of um, your. your um, your Drews and, and other people that, have, but the people that have kind of made it in WWE. We're not necessarily yeah. talking about those, but outside of WWE, the main roster, you could argue that the three best British talent in the world are, in no no particular order, Will Ospreay, Marty Skrull, and Zack Sabre Jr. With a bracket around Nick Aldis, who I'm, who I'm saying is a slightly different case because he's been to TNA and is now with the the NWA. You've got three or four big names or you know massive talents that aren't part of any of these things, and it's interesting. To, you know, I know, I know, you know, they're obviously part of New Japan or they're part of um, Ring of Honor, so it's not like they're struggling, um, you know, by any stretch. And I'm sure Marty would have gone to AEW, was it not for you know a contract situation? But it's interesting, isn't it, that there are other talent. If we're just looking from a purely not the British scene necessarily, but British individuals, it's interesting that there are people out. Out there doing very very well for themselves and they're not even part of the British scene or are they part of um, 
the NXT UK. And don't forget Pack. Oh yeah, sorry, you're absolutely right. Sorry, I do beg your pardon. Yeah, of course. Never. Oh, he's a, he is in the AEW though, isn't he? So that's yes. Yeah, he's, yeah, go, yeah. he's going to be. He's going to be. Yeah, no, you're quite. It was a big admission of mine. I wasn't necessarily, you know, saying that was the definitive three. There were no, the no. three that came to my brain. But your point is absolutely right. It's you know the fact is the success breeds success, doesn't it? And you know the the, the spotlight that the British scene has had over the last five years, and Dean will probably back me up or completely contradict me on this. But for me, it feels like. Will Ospreay wouldn't have broken out as he has as quickly 10 years ago the only real pipeline 10 or 15 years ago was the one guy in a million might come out of the Britain and, and head to WWE that was the only real way um, Doug Williams obviously made to Ring of Honor I'm thinking Birch or going up to WWE at the time even guys like Hayd Vanson got a cup of coffee um, and a vignette um, and before being given his marching orders uh, and, and his marching powder allegedly um, but um, the point is now you know, Will Ospreay was able to and Marty to a lesser degree I'd say were able to showcase what they were able to do to a wider audience the world can see it, it's all streaming we've got YouTube and then New Japan take, takes notice of that gives them the platform basically I think the system as it is now and the the media as it is now allows the cream to rise to the top wherever it is um and that wasn't the case before no no it's a, it's a fair point and to use another football analogy i know our fans love it when we do this um if you look at the current england football team you know we're so blessed with talent and there's a lot of good young talented players coming through it's quite exciting to look at the england team for the future on saturday i was reminded by tom cleverly scoring for watford only about five or six years ago he was played in the heart of england's midfield he's now probably not in the top yeah, 50 yeah. midfielders and it's like well actually you know there was a time where one of our major exports was paul burchill and i'm not not being funny to paul who was a, a talent you know of some sort but he wouldn't be if he came along now at the age of 24 25 he wouldn't be being spoken about in you know in the leading echelons would he but all he'd be doing is saying wwe might like his size but in terms of talent i don't think he'd be anywhere near the top of the talent pool right now and I, and i think he was a and he was a good enough you know worker i think the thing the thing with with paul Burchill was in britain he was a pretty much monster heavyweight you know he was about six foot four 19 stone legit and you know moved with the grace and speed of someone much much smaller um when he when he went to the wwe first of all they didn't really have him doing they didn't want him doing a lot of those high flying moves which you know therefore took away his his usp but also he wasn't um, he wasn't of a big size compared to WWE guys. So the thing no. that made him stand out in Britain was he was lost in the shuffle in the WWE. I actually think had Paul Burchill been around now, he would become a bit of an indie sensation because he would be, you know, if I could see him doing fantastically well in somewhere like PWG, um, where you know he'd be wrestling against, he'd be matched against smaller guys, and he could be, he could be um, doing his his high, you know, his standing shooting star press and his dives over the 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 ring posts. And and one thing Will Osprey says, and and it's proven very good for him, is that one the best way or one of the best ways for wrestlers to get noticed in this era is um is the 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 power of the gif. 
Um, yeah, and you know, I, if Paul Birchall was around today in PWG doing his stuff against, uh, you know, Desmond Xavier or or um, or you know, Penta or or Ray Phoenix or someone like that, he would be one. He would be the the king of the GIF, I think. He's very gifable. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> yeah. But back in those back in those days, you know, the 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 WWE weren't interested in in indie the, the the indie darlings as we know as we knew them. You know, bear in mind Paul Birch was around in the FWA at the same time that Brian Danielson was, and when you looked at Paul Birch and you looked at Brian Danielson, you thought, well, if there's one guy who'll make it to the WWE, it's not the little guy in the mask. Yeah, it was Paul Birch and. You know the world has the world has changed, but at that time, what the WWE looked for is very different to what they look for now, and that's because various barriers have been been broken down by the likes of Rey Mysterio getting a world title reign. Same with AJ Styles. Same with Brian Danielson. So, um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, and, and you look at the size of people like Zach Marty and, and Will Osprey, and even then you look down, you know, the next level down, maybe the likes of a Mark Haskins. Um, Kip Sabian, who I think is going to have a huge year. Chris Ridgway, who I think is going to have a huge year. And they are they are both of a similar size. But, I mean, this goes back to about four years ago. I was a guest on the sofa with, with Mark Haskins, actually, on WrestleTalk. And we were talking about um, people like like Seamus and Birchill going to WWE. And, and I said, it's not, it's not a good time necessarily for British wrestling, but it's a good time for British wrestlers. Um, now yeah. British wrestling as, as it happens has, has, has gone come up in leaps and bounds, but you know, your, your point from what you've just been saying, British wrestlers are enjoying huge amounts of success all around the world and a lot of that has come from um from the power of youtube in the same way that you know we're getting global mexican superstars that we we didn't have and we, we had sort of the triple a worlds collide generation but then it went down and now all of a sudden yeah we're seeing the likes of of rush and penta and phoenix and people like that that we yeah we wouldn't have yeah. necessarily known about before and the other thing i just want to point out it's really just occurred to me but I, speaking really it was Paul Birchall that sort of sparked this in my mind but I don't know about you guys but back in the mid 2000s I was a real big fan of uh, OVW when it was booked by Paul Heyman when you had a main event scene of CM Punk just before he started on the main roster um, Paul Birchall for a period Brent Albright who went on to become was it Gunnar Scott for a, for a few minutes on the main roster you had Ken Dome Sean Spears who is now Ty Dillinger you had a real good crew and it very much was a precursor for what NXT is now basically it was it was NXT as good as but without the production value without the natural pipeline up to the main roster and without that level of respect uh, between the two levels of WWE um, but it was every bit as good as NXT is now both in terms of match quality and booking um, in fact if anyone's never seen OVW from about 2005 if there's a way to find it find it because it's it's really good. It's after it's you know a generation after Cena, Batista, Lesnar, Benjamin, all these guys have been and gone. It's it's excellent. And Virgil stood out there. He was great in that in that um, environment. So I would say if Virgil was suddenly 24, 25 now, I think he'd do similarly well in NXT. Um, whether he moves to, whether he moves to the main roster or not is 
another thing because obviously the situation now hasn't changed all that much there's still a very sort of hit and miss strike rate when it comes to getting guys who are brilliant in NXT to uh, do similar in, in WWE I've got two things to go out from this. We'll try and make this quick because I want to talk about the rest of the uh, the NXT UK show. But uh, first of all, very quickly, let's go there. Let's, let's be quick with it, but let's go there. We're talking size. We're tiptoeing around it. When you look at most of the British wrestlers, I'm not just talking about NXT UK. I'm talking all around. They are short. Okay, by the by the average wrestling around the world standards, they are short. Now it kind of works in their own backyard when everyone's kind of short. But as Paul, as Dean said, you know, Birchall stood out as being bigger, but when he went to WWE, he didn't. Is it going to be a problem that actually when you do look at things, when you go around them all, you know, the bigger guys are actually not even that big, you know, in in terms of worldwide standards and, and you say about the success of Daniel Bryan and about Rey Mysterio Daniel Bryan happens to be one of the greatest wrestlers of all time Rey Mysterio has one of the best gimmicks and is a great you know I'm not saying he's not a great wrestler but clearly he is but he has the gimmick and he, part of his gimmick is being the little guy you kind of you know don't want too many of them because you start to water down the whole thing I could see there being a problem with having you know there's even an issue now saying well Johnny Gargano kind of can't get called up too quickly because he's too similar to Daniel Bryan and then you start looking at Tyler Bate and you go well what you know maybe Bate does need to wait several years before he's going to get anywhere he at least has the time on his side I do worry that still over the piece they might be very very good but they are just frankly across the board too small oh sorry I, I think I think it's a different era now. The, the, the I mean, let's take a case in point. Back in the nineties, um, one of the sort of the average-sized, normal, un, unremarkable guys was were the smoking guns. Now, okay. If uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Billy Gunn live, but I remember when I, I worked a show with him and I met him, and I was blown away because he's enormous. He's, he's absolutely huge. He's about 6'5". Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, he is absolutely huge. Yet on the WWE in the 90s, he was just average-sized tag team wrestler because it was the land of the Giants. Now, you've still got your, your Giants, but very, you know, they're few and far between. And yeah, you see you see wrestlers walking around in, in normal, real life, and... You know they don't. They they are reasonably average sized guys. I mean, like you know, the big guys, are people like you know, ironically, a British man, Drew Drew McIntyre, who you know, he's he's a, a a big guy. He's not marketed as a big guy, but when he's in the ring with other people, he he very much is. You know, Finn Finn Balor is shorter than I am, but he's you know, he's facing he's facing Brock Lesnar in, in a couple of weeks' time. So the the environment has changed. Um and I think the av- you know, the average height of a WWE wrestler, if you you know you compare like this decade to the last one and the one before that, it will be it will be incrementally decreasing. Okay, Paul? Well I think as long as Vince McMahon's running the show, there'll always be um, it'll always be e- easier for a for a big man to get a shot than a little man. Yeah. He's always going to give him more chances. He's going to give him the opportunity first. The world's changing. Okay, we all know, you know, Vince the genius, blah blah blah. He's also a dinosaur, um, especially in terms of what's going on outside the wrestling bubble. And what is going on outside the wrestling bubble is guys in combat sports are now absolute superstars without having to be the big heavyweights you know back when we were kids it was all about the heavyweights and, and you know the middleweights at an absolute bottom 
Now you look at a guy like Conor McGregor, he's tiny. You know, and he's a, he's a guy like George St. Pierre, even smaller. Um, size isn't an issue in the world anymore. Now, when Vince does step aside eventually, I suspect that people who have got a more modern take on it will have the reins. And I don't think I don't think size will be as big an issue. I can see why in the 80s and the 90s when bigger was better and the world was wowed by spectacle of hugeness, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger big was better in every aspect of life then it, it made sense the world's moved on I don't think Vince McMahon's opinions have when that when that blockage is out of the way I think it goes away like just look at NXT now the tops you know look at the compelling brilliant story between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa that's absolutely captivated the whole audience the whole wrestling world has anyone at any point said well these guys are great but they'd be even better if they were a foot taller never yeah um and I just don't and I think the world has changed the audience tastes have changed um, I just don't think Vince McMahon's positioning has changed and it never will so once that man's gone the landscape changes yeah here's my half here's my halfway house answer on that okay I think you're right for the most part I don't think you're totally right when you say the world has changed in its perception I think the people that are interested in it have changed their perception or at least understand it properly so you're absolutely right about the people like McGregor and, and GSP and various others that you know have drawn money for the UFC but I, st- I still think to the outside world and this is the important thing WWE don't want your acceptance Paul they don't want mine they don't want Dean's they don't want all the wrestling fans they don't want even some of the halfway wrestling fans they want the mainstream American press entertainment tonight yeah. those kind of things they want those people to go wow wwe's great and by the way if you walk on a sofa tomorrow with brock lesnar and finn balor or brock lesnar and um seth rollins or dean ambrose and you know braun Strowman, whoever it might be you know you're you know you're regis and kathy or whoever it is they have in this in the states of these shows that everyone appears on before wrestlemania they're gonna go that little guy can't beat the big guy yeah. and they still will they still will they're wrong right they're wrong but that is who WWE want to cater to they want Hollywood and they want mainstream and mainstream will still go there is no way in the world that Finn Balor could beat Brock Lesnar whereas we would all go actually do you know what I mean, okay Brock Lesnar's a bad example because Brock Lesnar's a badass but someone that would happen to be say I don't know Daniel Bryan versus Elias let's say you know we would all think well Daniel Bryan will win the entire world would go Daniel Bryan can't beat that guy and it's just that's just the way people you're right in terms of sporting people and the way it's drawn money in combat you're absolutely right about that I still think the mainstream don't think that way and I, that is why they've got that's why there's the problem because Vince and whoever it is that are in suits won't understand that I think Triple H might do, might do but I don't think the top brass are really understanding it I think you're right on that part Rob mate the other thing to bear in mind so, sorry D one second mate you're not a film fan are you Rob there are uh, not there are countless films you know again going back to the 80s and 90s with Kickbox or all these Jean-Claude Van Damme films Bruce Lee films where the hero would be a small guy and would come come up against a much bigger opponent as a bad guy and he'd beat them every time and the audience would completely buy it so I don't necessarily buy your argument about the uh, the mainstream there Uh, I don't think I don't think that's a good example films we're not talking about films we're talking about about fiction no we're not though are we we're talking about a representation of 
a representation of reality. WWE is meant to be a representation of reality. Yeah. I think when you're watching a film, I think you know if you're watching a martial arts film or a superhero film, I think you know you're watching something that's meant to be a little bit fantastical. I think when you're watching WWE, you're meant to be watching a representation of a real-life performance. And I think that's where that, that's the issue. I have to disagree with you there because, to my knowledge, no one has ever contested the paternity of a child through a ladder match. However, (laughs) the thing I was going to say was that Vince McMahon's philosophy has always been, and and this goes back to what you were saying about Vince loves the big guys, because he does, Vince's philosophy has always been, I want people who can turn heads at airports, so that if... People don't, you know, people see Braun Strowman, they don't know who Braun Strowman is because they don't watch wrestling, but they look at this big six foot nine, 350 pound guy and think, Jesus Christ, he's huge. Right. There's a great clip shown on someone shared on Twitter over the Christmas holidays of some uh, a man and his kids recognizing Adam Cole at the airport and getting a photo and a video and that with him. Those people recognized Adam Cole because he was Adam Cole. It wasn't because Adam Cole was six foot ten and, and three hundred and fifty pounds. So again, the you know thing, and, and obviously he's not going to he's not going to turn non wrestling fan heads. Um, because that you know that that freak show attraction is 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 going away a bit, um, but you know that's that's Vince's philosophy and that's why he always favours the big guys and that's why you know Lars Sullivan's been called up and Johnny Gargano hasn't. It's such a nonsense measure though, isn't it? Turning heads in airports. Yeah, it's a nice soundbite, but who cares what they do in airports? It's whether they captivate your attention in an arena or on television. And to your point, Adam Cole would be much better at capturing anybody's attention than Lars Sullivan. But anyway, we digress. We do slightly, although I will say I thought of a different answer. Do you know we were talking about some uh, some questions last week, Paul, about who we would book to win the Rumble or who we'd have the main event against uh, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? Yeah. I've come up with one. Go on. Aquaman. <laughs> what, because he looks like fir- Roman Reigns? For the no, very first tell. time... The very first time I watched Game of Thrones, because that is the same guy, right? Yeah, it's the yeah. guy from this Cal, Cal Drogo. Yeah. When the very first time I watched Game of Thrones and Cal Drogo appeared, I went, "I hope he's a wrestler, because if he can work, he's if he can work even tiny bit, he'd be a megastar. If this was 1989, he'd be world champion by now." Jason Momoa may be the coolest man on the planet. Jason Momoa is an axe-throwing, hacker, hacker, dancing badass if Jason Momoa yeah. wanted to if they want to replace Roman Reigns while he's out injured just drafting Jason Momoa he looks like him he, he's like the cool version of he's Roman Reigns cool little brother bring him in put him against Brock Lesnar night one I completely agree with that mate I'm in I'm not I'm I'm absolutely not even joking. I'm not even if joking sh- either. If he showed any sort of aptitude to work a match, I would have him I, I completely mean completely agree with you mate and I think he's just, his roles are extremely physical um, you know, you watch anything he's in. Um, what else? He was in a lot of other stuff. He was in a what was he in? Uh, Stargate previously as well right. when he was younger. Oh mate, I I think you're absolutely right. I think he's got the uh, he's got tons of personality. He's got a great look. Oh god, yeah. If he was interested at all, I would throw the car at him in terms of money because I'd be co- I'm convinced that he would put on a hell of a performance as well. No, fully. Yeah, sounds a bit out of left field, mate. But you, I think you're 100 percent right. 
subscribe. We, when we just just before we went on air, we had a discussion about making sure we don't digress during this, <laughs> and I have just started talking about Aquaman rather than talking about Dave Mastiff and whoever. So and, let's and get I back have, to the point. I have just googled Jason Momoa because being a man who never watches films, I didn't know who he was. And yes, Jesus Christ, that man has got money written all over him. Yeah. Yeah, he has, and he's got. But he's got also. He's also got presence. Funnily enough, Huge. the discussion we've just been having. How many people that we've been talking about that have the size that Vince wants in the airport, but have got zero charisma? The whole point with this guy is so the presence much. he has. He dominates your screen. He's just. He's a big. But and he's funny he's, as well. No, you're right. He's the best. Yeah. He, he could well be the best wrestler that never is a wrestler. You never know. We might, we, I would say he goes into the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame in 2031. <laughs> but book, book it now. Um, right. Okay. One more question before we. And I, I want this to be a quick one before we go on to the actual back into the actual show itself. Um, so we're talking about British wrestlers and we're talking about their aspirations. Are they too small to get on the roster? Blah 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 blah. Is the fact that NXT exists as a brand on its own? Paul, you said it. There's Raw and SmackDown, then there's NXT, and then there's 205 Live, and there's you know, NXT UK. The fact that 205 Live and particularly NXT itself exists is that now a, a good destination? So if you were starting out at any level, at any job, you'd be happy to get to a level where it pays you well to do it full time and, and get a little bit of exposure. So if you're a British wrestler breaking in, let's say you're, I don't know, Eddie Dennis, for example, who worked on this show, looks good, he's got something about him, he's managed to get to NXT UK. Um, if Eddie Dennis has a career where he gets to NXT in the States and works there for three or four years, that's that's a good career now, isn't it? You don't have to get to the main roster, do you now, Dean? Not at all. No, I mean, I know Eddie well, um, and, and I'm delighted for him. Bear, bear in mind, Eddie Dennis is, uh, I was going to say, an, an, an ordinary bloke, but that, 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 that sounds terrible. I didn't mean like that. Let me start again. Eddie Dennis is a bloke who gave up a good job as a head teacher. He's got a wife. He's got a mortgage. He's got a cat called Terry. Um, and <laughs> he genuinely has a cat called Terry. Um and you know, and he is now making a full-time living. Uh, you know, he's making a wage he can live off and pay his bills from as a professional wrestler. Um, so you know, he is living the dream in that respect. And yeah, do you know, there, there's guys. You know, some of the the headliners in NXT. I don't know if they actually want to go up to the main roster or if they're quite happy doing what they're doing at that level in NXT. To be honest with you. Um, and I, you know, whether if if they're making enough money and they're happy there, and artistically as well, they might be happy there because, you know, the, the, I think one of the reasons that so many people have failed to successfully transition from from NXT to the WWE is simply because you know people criticise the booking and so on, but actually it's because you are you have far more exposure because you're on every single week wrestling but you're wrestling five or ten minute matches as opposed to 15 or 20 minute matches that you get in nxt it's a different environment um so you know so so you've got to consider all of that as as well for some of these guys but to answer your question i think you know a guy like an eddie dennis or a dave mastiff or whoever would be very happy with that. I think it's, it would be a job well done. If basically, to me, if you can make wrestling your full-time living and make a, a good living wage from it, then then all power to you, and you've done well. It, Paul, I agree with aspects of what Dean's saying. To me, if you look, if you if you boil it down and look at wrestling as purely a job, what makes us happy in our job? You know, it's the job satisfaction. 
one element of it. Um, pay, obviously, is a big element. Um, and a good work-life balance. They're really the three things for, for guys like us that are the most important things um, in a job. Obviously, when you talk about wrestling, the other important aspect to consider is just the fame because you know a lot of these guys will be getting in it because they want to be famous and known and that's great now there was a time you know and it, it, as I said last week it's all about setting your expectations and different guys are going to be motivated in different ways like you know for what you're saying Dean about Eddie Dennis happy would be happy with a career on NXT that's fantastic but would a guy like Tyler Bate for instance who's coming to this system at 19 years old and who's got the world in front of him, would he similarly be happy just with the same career path as Eddie Dennis? Maybe, maybe not. And I think it's all expected. But the point is, I think that whereas before, if you, you know, if you just said five years ago, you, you stay on NXT for good, I think that would have been considered a failure in most people's books. But now they, they do pay a level where you can make a living out of it a very good living by all accounts they're paying very decent decent contracts in NXT for some top free agents now you know some guys like again I'm repeating myself a bit from last week but one guy might be motivated by travelling the world living like a rock star having a woman in every town being on television having huge amounts of Instagram followers you know living the life of a wrestler another guy might be motivated by working in Florida sleeping in his own bed six nights out of seven seeing his little boy go to school in the morning and being able to pick him up from school at night training at the performance center and earning a good wage doing it so i think it's each individual is motivated by very different things but the beauty of the WWE system is now is that those expectations and those motivations can be met in a way that they probably couldn't in previous generations you were either big time or nobody if i can perhaps put a lid on this particular topic and, and bring it back to the, the UK scene as we were talking about before I would say this about the um, uh, the um, the prestige of the brand that's what we talked about a little bit before and, and if you think about I, I saw uh, someone put something on Facebook this week I think it was uh, one of our uh, hooked on host Paul Reverend Richard Young I think it was him that put it up yeah. there uh, he put up a poster of an old show that he was involved with and second on the yes. bill as far as this poster was concerned was um, at the time Ring of Honor star Tommaso <laughs> Ciampa and headlining was former WWE's Trent Barretta and just to give you some um, context on that poster that was an event in Grimsby in a venue that was it was on the shittiest street in Grimsby I used to work there um, on the cinema and that venue was tacked on it was basically a tiny little room tacked onto the back of a cinema in the sh- on the shittiest street in a, in Grimsby, in the shittiest area of Grimsby, and Tommaso Ciampa five years ago could not even headline that building. That's remarkable. What I'll say now is that if you had, let's say, a similar sort of show, and by the way, Trent Barretta did okay for himself. I'm just saying. I know that what you're saying. Advertising yeah. advertising him as former WWE's Trent Barretta was not, you know, they they felt that that was a bigger yeah. draw. Now, if you put something like here's your headliner you know three-time wwe champion two-time u.s champion blah 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 um you know alberto del rio alberto el patron or whatever you want to call him and you put second and and you put set burt river as yeah dean calls him (laughs) and if you put second on the bill i don't know let's say oh i'm trying to think of the right kind of example now no 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 no, not quite as small as that but i'm thinking someone that's kind of someone that's kind of mid-card 
NXT. Mid-card NXT. Um, what, Roderick Strong? Roderick, okay, Roderick Strong's not bad. Let's say, let's, and for, yeah, let's say any, and let's say Adam Cole. We used Adam Cole as an example. Let's say Adam Cole, right? Adam Cole is going to draw you way, way more yep. tickets than Alberto Del Rio because the nature of the crowd has changed. Yes. The crowd, people that came out to British wrestling, used to be people that watched WWF and WCW. And when they saw someone famous, they might go and watch it. Or they used to watch in the Attitude Era, so they'd go along to watch a little show near to them because Billy Gunn was on it, or Hardcore Holly was on it, or Road Dog, or D'Lo, or someone like that. Those people aren't important. Not they're not important, those people will still come out, but they're not the majority anymore. There's a big enough capacity for, for wrestling, big enough um, appetite, I should say, for wrestling in this country now, that actually NXT star blank that's respected is a far bigger draw than WWE star so-and-so that they're not bothered about because they've been pushed at the, you know, the detriment of others. You know, I absolutely think that someone that's even been, you know, in, in NXT for five minutes would, would, you know, ish, would get more bums and seats than, say, a, a Titus O'Neil or someone like that because I just think NXT, NXT now is a brand that people go, I understand what it's about, I respect it, and I think that's now an okay thing do you know what I mean you don't have to be WWE or you know the very very top I think NXT does it now although I think if you had Titus O'Neil advertised and you advertised that you were having a rumble you'd draw the place you'd pack the place out just to see how he would fall down exactly <laughs> he's got to do something in this year's rumble hasn't he he will he will unquestionably yeah how, how there's the traditional Kofi Kingston not being eliminated spot there's got to be some kind I, of I hope Titus runs down to, does one, I want him to do one of two things run down to the ring and then stop himself short just before I remember or just run to the ring trip slide and never emerge <laughs> just go under the ring <laughs> <laughs> just to come out again yeah. in June. Sorry. Anyway, we need to get back to the I mean, takeover, guys. This is this is it's been a very interesting conversation, but we're our own worst enemy. Come on, let's crack on. Okay, I, I tell you what. I'll, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the people. We, I, I um, a few hours before we started recording, um, I went on to the uh, uh, to the Facebook page and I put out the question in one sentence. Can you say what the best thing was about NXT UK takeover and why? So I wasn't necessarily saying the best match, best individual. It could be match, it could be individual moment, production um, note, all sorts of things. I'll pick a few. I won't go through all of them because we had a, a lot of responses. Um, but let's uh, let's go to, um, for example, here's a good one. And in fact, there's several things about the tag match. Since we talked about the tag match once, I just want to quickly um, put a bow on it with this to say um, Richard Harrington said the opening tag match was amazing. Gibson and Drake were superb. Uh, someone else who was it Simon Robbins says he, th he thinks the tag match would be in his all time top 10 it was that good um, so lots of talk about the actual um, uh, tag match itself boys um, but also um, let's go to uh, jump a little bit to the uh, to the main event um, Paul Maynard says done retaining was the highlight again the guy is absolute gold Harmony Dam says it was the main event I knew Joe could put on a performance like that especially with Pete it didn't disappoint at all um, so there's some people sort of talking about the um, the main event and there is others people saying about the Finn versus Jordan so we go back to our, our point from before you know a really really good spread of things but let, let's jump to the main event since it was mentioned um i absolutely loved it i thought it was the best match on the show by miles as far as i was concerned i thought it looked like a fight i thought it maybe went on about five four five minutes too long i thought to make you know i thought it could have finished because it looked so brutal i think you would have believed to finish a bit sooner I thought one or two too many you know kickouts of big moves but 
I thought, generally speaking, I thought the two guys were... I didn't know a lot about Joe Coffey. I was very impressed. You know, clearly Pete Dunn, we know, we know he's excellent. Um, I just loved the hell out of this. I thought it looked like a fight. Dean? Joe Coffey is fantastic. Um, I've known Joe for, for years. I remember him coming down to IPW many years ago and with his brother and really, really impressed me. And a great, great bloke, great attitude as well. The only thing I didn't like about that was the, the shenanigans on the top rope where they like fell off and then went back up again and I wasn't quite sure if they were trying to do some complicated spot and screwing it up or if it was meant to be that Pete wasn't interested in and was shoving Joe off it just seemed a bit it just seemed a bit clumsy I wasn't a fan of that bit but yeah absolutely as you said Rob it felt like a proper real sporting contest the thing that with the ben- I hated it at the time and then with the benefit of hindsight I absolutely loved was um, Nigel McGuinness on commentary and I'll tell you why because mm. I went into this thinking I reckon they're going to take the title off Pete Dunne because I think they're going to move him out of the NXT UK division they're going to take him up to NXT in America and then put him you know, and build him up from there this is the time that you know first takeover show make a statement take the belt off him and Nigel McGuinness's commentary to me was telegraphing the fact that Pete Dunne was losing and it was annoying me because I was thinking you're making it too obvious Nigel and then obviously Pete Dunne won and I'm like I've been worked brilliant because (laughs) it was it it made yeah it it really made the the impact of, of Pete Dunne winning that much more so the you know I always say about how commentary, you know, good commentary can enhance the viewing experience, and that was a, a perfect example of it. Um, yeah, it was nothing too contrived. It looked like a, a, a hard, a hard fight. I mean, I did think, you know, Joe Coffey is the kind of guy who could carry. There's a few people I think that could carry the the belt, be the main contender after Pete Dunne. Joe Coffey's one of them. Dave Mastiff's another one. Zach Gibson, I think, would be a fantastic singles champion. But obviously, he's got the tag belts now, so that's not going to happen for a while. But Zach Gibson dethroning um, beloved Pete Dunne would just, you know, make him the, the the uber heel in my eyes. Yeah, he is. He is really hated, isn't he? There's a proper hate for uh, for Gibson. I think that's a, a rare thing in the modern day. So yeah. that would be an interesting thing. Exactly. I, w- I want to offer one line, one line of observation on the match that you've inspired me to say before I hand over the Paul. Um, there was one lovely moment I thought in the match in particular, was lots of lovely moments, but one in particular that I loved was, I think it might have been the second time uh, that Pete Dunne hit his finisher and he was, both of them were sort of lying lying on the ground and it was that moment where you're expecting the sort of the turnover and the lay, the lay one arm, you know that pin where yeah. you sort of like drape one arm and he was just about to do that and he almost had his arm in the air and as he did it, Joe Coffey rolled onto his front and I just thought, oh, that's beautiful. Because that is absolutely what you would do if you had any sort of part of you that was compass mentis. You wouldn't lie on your back and wait to two and then kick out. You would roll away. And that is exactly what he did. And I thought that was a beautiful little moment of just genuine realism. And I just thought it was subtle, but just beautiful. And I thought there was lots of moments like that during the match where someone would go for a move and they'd just stick an arm up or they'd just headbutt them or something where it was... That felt like the thing you would do. You wouldn't leapfrog and then drop under and then go for an arm. you just punch them. And I, and I thought there was a sufficient amount of punching, kicking and heading in this match that made it feel like a fight. And then you put the moves around with it. And the fact that they used so many submissions as well. I love a submission match. And loads, they went for lots of holds, especially early on when they were going for submissions to try and grind them down. 
I, I just loved it. My the realism factor was off the scale to me. Um, Paul, your your thoughts on the main event? Oh, hang on. Um, you mean there was a match before Walter debuted? Now, <laughs> behave. Just talk about the <laughs> no. match. We'll talk about Walter I, um, in a minute. I enjoyed the match. I don't think I was quite as high on it as you two guys. Um, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't massively rate Joe Coffey. Um, I think he's. I think he's quite good. But I think there's a few other guys that could. Quite a few of the guys that could do similar to what he does. And one thing really stood out to me, whether it's his fault or not, Dean mentioned the um, the top rope spot. I think that the first time they went up, I'm not, I don't think I've ever seen this before, but Joe Coffey looked terrified. And I might I might be reading it wrong, but he looked to me like he was shitting his pants about being up there. Maybe he'd forgotten what he needed to do. Maybe he didn't wasn't comfortable up there. But for me, it, came, it took me completely out of the moment because he just looked. He, he clearly looked Pete Dunn for guidance anyway and them both spilling to the floor but I agree that it was I, I like that it was different I like that it wasn't this sort of technical bait Dunn masterclass I like that it was hard hitting it showed a different aspect of Dunn like Rob I think this thing could have it, it would have greatly benefited by having five six seven minutes shaved off did like the finish I did like the fact that he hit the bitter end um and I went for the pin and instead of you know what you would normally expect to be going into another finishing tweak he just grabbed his fucking arm and twisted his fingers I thought yep yep that's that's the way to do it um, so I thought it was a lot of good although yeah it wasn't, it wasn't I don't think it was the best match on the card I thought the opener was um, but I enjoyed it quite a bit and fun, funnily enough I knew that just just watching it I, I knew you would say yeah, that of course and that's because we're, we're mates and we know each other well and listen, and I'm, and it's, you're, not, you're not wrong, I'm mm. not wrong, but I absolutely watched that show and thought, I love the main event, but I bet Paul liked the tag match yeah. more. And I just, that was just, but that's really cool. That's that, that's actually okay. Do you know what I mean? We don't all have to, you know, know, you know think the same way and, and want the same thing. I, I actually really like the fact that we're, we're, we're thinking that way. Okay, go on then, you're dying to do it, Walter. <laughs> He's here. Um, I think it was, it was one of the, I, I love it when... WWE, and I think it's been done on NXT a few times in the last year. It's obviously a new production technique, but they really have you jonesing for something. So I had it in my head that Walter was going to come out at the end of this show. I just knew it. You know, when you just know things. But then it's the, like uh, the couple Rousey at Rumble last year. Yes. Isn't it? Where yes. Everyone, wait, everyone knew she was going to be there. Everyone was waiting for that moment. But it was like, in this one, it was like when Chiampa turned on Gargano you got that copyright WWE logo that stamp that comes on the screen and for 30 years we've been conditioned to understand that once that logo comes on the screen that is the end of the action um, but like I said they've done it in NXT with Gargano and Chambra they did it here the logo comes up I'm like god damn it where's my Walter and then uh, right can I can I just cut in I promised I wasn't going to do this but I am going to have to cut in at that point because it's so apropos literally I watched it on my iPad on my desk and the logo came up Good night, everybody and literally I pressed the home button on my iPad to shrink the WWE network and as I pressed it I heard a noise from the crowd and I thought I think I've missed something there and I pressed it again went back to the app played it and water came out I was 0.5 of a millisecond away from just missing that exactly well I'd be going going, water what do you mean water was that I was too I wouldn't have known about it because my wife was in the room watching this with me when I was watching it live and she was had her head buried in a Gary Barlow book and she was desperate to get the TV back on Luther or some shit like that um, so I was like alright it's finished now but then he comes out and look 
I, I adore Walter. I think he's, he, you know, he is the reincarnation. He's the European Stan Hansen. He might look like a giant shaved bear, but he's absolutely the real deal. And he's absolutely the thing to add to that NXT UK brand to, again, add more legitimacy and more relevance. Because you got a guy like Walter in there, and the world's looking at it now. Everyone who's everyone who's a Walter fan is now looking at NXT UK. Um, he's the guy that's going to dethrone Pete Dunne, and rightly so. There are no other contenders. He's going to take that belt. It's just a matter of when. And it's the right time. Pete Dunne's had it long enough. He's had an amazing reign. He's, he's made the title. He's made himself. It's time for him to move up. And Walter is 1 million percent the guy to take it off him. I uh, quote from Garen Stockton on the, on the Facebook page. You said, can you talk about the debut of Walter and how he's rumoured to be the one to finally dethrone Pete Dunne? Paul has just done that for you, uh, Gary, and that was almost an exact uh, uh, word-perfect um, <laughs> way of putting it. Um, before I hand over to Dean, I'm going to put an extra question in for you, Dean, because um, obviously, again, being involved in the, uh, the very much the UK scene, um, we use that phrase very much. It's UK. It's an American way of saying it rather than saying British, but it's more of a correct one because of uh, it featuring talent from uh, from all of the uh, all of the British Isles. But I'll I'll put, I'll put a spoke in the works and I'll be devil's advocate. It is a UK show on Saturday, okay, in Blackpool. A UK show. There was a New Zealander booked on the card who got beaten up and replaced by an Irishman against another Irishman. The women's match was all um, Aussie, or one was born in New Zealand, the other one born in Australia. Both considered themselves Aussie. And the main event was overshadowed by an Austrian debuting at the end. I mean, I don't want to go on wall Brexit about this, but is this is this a UK brand or is it a European brand or a worldwide brand? What's going on? <laughs> well, I was just about to start my answer with, as someone who voted Remain, I'm well on. I've got to say, I don't know, maybe I'm, the, I'm in the minority here, but... I'm afraid I don't share the Walter love. Um, oh, we can no longer be friends, Dean. <laughs> um, I remember seeing him many years ago in WXW, and I, I didn't rate him at that point. And, and he's improved in leaps and bounds since then. But the, the thing is, for me, the thing that Walter is known for are these mind-numbingly hard chops. And, you know, as Bret Hart puts it, you and I know Bret Hart quite well, Rob, um, the <laughs> art of wrestling, the, the, the art of pro wrestling is to make it look as real as possible without hurting your opponent. When you're just hitting someone as hard as you can with a chop, you've no longer got an art of wrestling, you're just hitting someone as hard as you can with a chop. He's so, right. Of course he's right. I will so, ignore you, Dean. Um, but then, having said that, I still maintain that Ric Flair is one of, if not the greatest wrestler <laughs> of all time in one of his things. I mean, admittedly, it wasn't as mind-numbingly hard and loud as, as Walter's, but, but you know. Um, but yeah, I, I I remain to be you know I, I remain to be swayed and convinced by Walter, but I I I am open to being swayed and convinced by Walter. Um, as far as your question about the 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 people, the the people there, yes, it's called NXT UK, but I think yeah, with them, you know, they've got um, relationships with Progress in England, ICW in Scotland, OTT in Ireland, WXW in Germany. So um, 
I can't see. I don't know if they'll. I don't know if they'll. They'd open up in like an NXT Europe, but I could certainly see the UK bit expanding. I think that the UK is a much much hotter scene than Europe, so tagging it as UK is um, is is more marketing savvy at this moment in time. Um, and I and I do genuinely think there could be something to do with Brexit and not knowing how that's going to be in that they don't want to push the word Europe too much in this country at the moment. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Um, but you know, Tony Storm. Yes, she's Australian, stroke New Zealand, but she's lived over here for a number of years, and we kind of think of her as our own. Um, and you know, it's the Premier League is a hundred times worse and that's still English isn't it Dane um, you took my what? bloody analogy off me oh, <laughs> look you're right Manchester United play in Manchester it doesn't mean they're not allowed to have foreign players no I know that listen I know I know all this I'm just I'm just setting, don't have a go at no, me no, 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 I, know what you're saying. I was just I, I was being Jeff Stelling and just setting up the question it's NXT UK and as long as the events take place in the UK then it remains a UK brand it doesn't matter what nationality of the players in play are um, yeah. it's, it's where the brand's located and as long as those events are taking place in Blackpool Glasgow London wherever else then it's NXT UK and you can't I think Stelling, the point Rob, is, you can't be Jeff Stelling because you're uh, you can't be Jeff saying because your forehead still moves. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want you to be my granddad. Fair enough. Okay. Fine. Okay. That's a very strange thing to say. Um, someone just the, uh, be their granddad. Anyway. Oh no! Sorry, I, th- I thought you. Just, I thought you were suggesting that Jeff Selling was your granddad. Then sorry, no. that was... would be nice, but no, <laughs> that's a, no, no. That's a, that's a very, very strange no. <laughs> way to announce that to the world. Isn't it? <laughs> Should we just go with it? Just edit this, Rob. Quite edit literally, Paul. Rob. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! <laughs> oh dear me! Uh, I have one thing to say on chops, uh, and that is that um, I think in a in a Ric Flair era. And uh, one of my favourite of all time, Ricky Steamboat, was also a master with the old chop. Um, I think in that era, if you went into a sort of a kayfabe world, uh, you weren't allowed to punch then, were you? So, you know, the closed fist was banned. Now the closed fist isn't banned. So I think chopping someone seems weirder now when you can just punch them. And, you know, if you actually, you know, I'm delving way too deep than we need to. But if you wanted an excuse to why would you chop in the 1980s, you'd say, well, because I can't punch someone. Again, I go back to the real life analogy making the, the main event look like a fight if you went into a pub somewhere and you went okay you outside and you started chopping them <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd look rather stupid but if you weren't allowed to punch them then actually that chopping would be a, a kind of vaguely uh, allowable thing you say that Rob but I remember chopping Paul Benson in a pub in Brighton and I looked fantastic <laughs> doing it yeah, but that's because you two, are, you two are idiots, don't you? And that's the kind of thing you would, you, you would do when you've had one or two shandies. He asked me to chop him. I said okay. I chopped him. He complained about how hard it was, and I reminded him I'm not a wrestler. Imagine what it'd be like if a wrestler did it. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, I have, I have one topic I want to finish on, and I'm aware that it, it might, I don't want it to drag too much. So, um, uh, let's uh, just do one more thing to the, to the two of you. Any other general comments? 
uh, about the NXT Takeover show. Admittedly, we've we've kind of skimmed over a little bit about the uh, the Finn Jordan match, which I really enjoyed. We haven't really touched on the, the women's match, which I thought was excellent, told a great story. Um, the hard the um, the hardcore match wasn't really for me. I, I like both guys involved, but I, I thought it was just kind of there. I thought it just filled a bit of time. Um, but um, starting with you, Paul, any any sort of final words before I want to go on to our our final topic that I want to discuss? I think we touched on it, but I think for me. It was great to see the crowd being so uniquely British. You know, it's you know back in the day we'd you know we'd be copying the American crowds to the extent we'd all be chanting USA, USA. Um, I love the fact that the UK fans have found their own identity. I think it was all born from NXT Takeover London when they were just non-stop football chants throughout the night, and it was incredible. Um, and I think the fans have taken that on and. Uh, UK Takeover was was an extension of that, and I'd like to see it. It's it, it's our to me that taking aside the wrestling talent that's the brand usp is the unique british atmosphere and i'd like to see that kept up uh okay i want to expand on that in a second dean for you first yeah i would i'd echo what paul said about the crowd but the the other thing to say about the crowd is they have evolved positively because a few years ago you would get the crowd making funny chants to draw attention to themselves like aren't we great but now it's funny silly chants to add to the storyline of the wrestlers amazing it's their way of communicating with the wrestlers in character and it works brilliantly and it's like ecw used to be in its day as well in that respect and kind of sticking to the crowd when the, the way the crowd were when Tony Storm won the belt and the way they reacted and celebrated with her afterwards and you know we know all the all the crap that she's been through recently and it was just this great moment of kind of of togetherness you know I always say when I do like promo classes and character classes with training schools I say the the the, the baby face people want to either be that person or be that person's mate and and that reaction was everyone all together on Tony Storm's side happy for her that she had won the belt and she's finally got to the top of the mountain so to speak and it was just a fantastic moment and you know she is she is massively marketable and she is the future of women's wrestling and indeed, yeah, we were, we were all delighted for her, as of course were all of her brothers, James, Lance, Devon, Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> oh, yeah, we all, uh, everyone was very, uh, very happy Tim. for her. Um, here's some, here's some. Co- oh yeah, very good. Um, here's some comments from uh, from the Facebook page. David Harold, the energy of the crowd rivaled any you would see from NXT in the states. Liam Warren agrees, says he thinks it would give the post WrestleMania Raw a run for its money. Uh, Jason Cantwell, it was a very special show. WrestleMania-like in its atmosphere. The UK fans are a whole different breed from the rest of the world. Um, Jean-Luc Howe says he agrees. Then the uh, the audience and by extension the atmosphere were absolutely incredible. It's a shame we don't get big pay-per-views over here. Um, the uh, William Steele says all the matches were solid. Great atmosphere, but the UK chants are very cringy. Um, that's a different take on it. Andy Keenan says about the crowd, and if you look over the TV tapings, it's no surprise. Uh, Josh Porter, atmosphere was fantastic. Um, Dylan Thomas, the crowd made the matches look a thousand times better than they already were. Um, just so many of these kind of things. Um, 
Nick Wood simply says the British crowd um, you know just loads and loads of comments on that kind of thing and what I want I'm really pleased about what the two of you have said actually because you've given me a nice ramp into what I was about to say because what I'm going to say sounds as if I'm going to be controversial but I'm not I don't mean it that way I actually did enjoy the crowd's um, performance uh, on Saturday if you can call it that but I thought for a second what a weird thing for people to say imagine if you said like I don't know if I, you guys watched Tottenham Man United last week it was a really good game on Sunday on Super Sunday uh, on Sky and but if, if someone, if on a, a hooked on football, if we did that, you put what was your favourite thing about the uh, the Tottenham Man United game and people didn't say Pogba's passing or Rashford's finish or De Gea's goalkeeping, but they said the crowd, you'd go, what a weird thing to say. Do you know what I mean? If you went to see a play and went, the crowd were brilliant. You went to the comedy store, oh, the crowd laughed. You would never, ever talk about the crowd. It's a very, very weird thing to bring up. And Dean is so right that a few years ago... That would have been a really, really bad thing because it was all let's chant CM Punk and Macho Man and, you know, we are awesome and all that kind of crap. I'm slightly annoyed that so many people, the first thing they went to was the crowd rather than the shit hot main event or stuff like that. However, if they're going to talk about the crowd, if the crowd is going to be a thing, you guys are right. They at least enhanced something rather than took it over or did their own thing because I do like the fact that it's a football chanting thing maybe we like it more ourselves but again because we're football fans guys I think we all appreciate that sometimes you do go to a match live and if it's a good game you'll say it's a good game but you might comment the crowd were a bit quiet though part of football if you just went and watched football and it was dead silent like you know cricket well not cricket's not like that anymore but like cricket used to be if it was just dead silent and then you went home it would lose something wouldn't it the live sport atmosphere you wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily be the first thing you would talk about when you got home unless you were seven years old but the live crowd does enhance and I think now yeah. that crowds are looking to enhance and I'm not saying you have to absolutely follow everything the WWE says and just obey but I did like that every single match there was a very clear baby face very clear heel almost no ambiguity little bit of chanting for Eddie Dennis but that was a, that was it for the most part it was very much down you know um, partisan lines and as, as you talked about boys some of the actual chants themselves I'm, I thought the highlight by absolutely miles was are you watching Vince McMahon I just thought it was <laughs> yes. sens- absolutely sensational whoever came up with that yes <laughs> yeah, yes, I am. Yes, I am with the picture. That was yes, pretty cool. from the Vince board. I, well, I mean, I, I would say a couple of things on that. Number one, from a live football perspective, I probably remember chants to the opposition fans a lot more readily than I remember great goals that Ipswich have scored, probably because they haven't scored that many. But that's, that's <laughs> but also wrestling. You know, again, this is another thing I say to people in training schools. Wrestling is completely unique. It's why we love it. It's why you know, none of us walk away from it for, for, for at all for very long, because there's nothing in the world quite like it. And wrestlers as performers have a unique relationship with uh, with with the crowd because you know Paul Pogba might do that fantastic pass but he doesn't cut promos on the crowd you know if you just if you gesticulate to the crowd you get fine he might do if you gave him a microphone he might do but I take your point generally but generally speaking wrestlers have a direct relationship with their with their fans which other sports just simply don't have you know boxing to a boxing in UFC to a to a degree but nowhere near like wrestling and you know the thing with that, that as well is if you if you go if you watch these shows the atmosphere is such it makes you want to go you know I'm mm-hmm. I'm sure whereas you know when I was 
when I was in my 20s, I, I went over to Philadelphia for ECW because I wanted to sample that atmosphere, and it was fantastic when I went there. I wouldn't be surprised now if you've got American fans wanting to come over to the UK for the next UK takeover. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I would absolutely agree with that. Totally agree with that. And I think there's a big... Well, here's, here's the thing. If you were to say to the average WWE viewer anywhere in the world, what is the best atmosphere of the year? They would that. probably say... The night, no, they would say the night after WrestleMania, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would say that. That's what people would say. If we're doing family yeah. fortunes, you know, top answer is the night after WrestleMania. But many people will tell you the reason that it's so good at the night after WrestleMania is because it's a massively international crowd. A huge chunk from the UK, lots from Australia, lots from South Africa, lots from different parts of the world, from different parts of Europe. You know, people talk about it being a hugely cosmopolitan international crowd that gets those kind of things going because... The people that might go to WrestleMania will go to the show itself, but people that have travelled all the way around the world, bugger me if I'm not going to go to the NXT show and the WrestleMania show and the Slam Slammies and the Hall of Fame and everything. Do you know what I mean? It's like you take it all in. And so when there's 15,000 people as opposed to 80,000 people, the percentage of the international crowd is so much higher. Now, as we've talked about, that crowd sort of ate itself up a few years ago and it became, you know, it stopped being such a good thing. But I think if we can, if there is any sort of you know, British revolution that we can do. It might not. It might not necessarily be just in the ring. It might be in the stands as well. Because I want to ask that question for the next NXT takeover. And when we get 30 comments in the first three hours, I don't want those comments saying the crowd were great. I want that as a given. And I want them to be saying the main event was great. Tony Storm's win was great. The tag match was great. The promo was great. I want them talking about the wrestlers. And I, I don't like it when they chant NXT. Because I always think t brands when have been chanted, when people have chanted TNA, they've chanted NXT, they've chanted ECW. Fine, none of those have ever been successful. Well, NXT was you know dreary out obviously, but the other ones haven't been successful. No one ever ever chanted WWF, WWF, or even or indeed WCW. No one ever chanted that. They chanted for the stars, and I think that's a a more important thing. But once we can get to a point where the crowd is, you know, accepted it's going to be on the right level and we can get the proper stars coming through. And this, they did chant Bruiserweight and they tried, they did chant four people. I'm not saying they didn't, but I'm saying if we can get the, the stars of the show to be the true people that are being spoken about, then we're really on to something. I, do, I, I think it's been a really, really positive thing all the way around. I'm just, I'm nitpicking. But uh, do you see what I'm getting at, Paul, in my weird Yeah, no, way? I completely do. Um, it's a really nice way to, to end the show. This I think it's a really good positive note as well because... I there's the old adage isn't there about you pay your money you can chant what you want and I, that's true definitely but I just think that for the most part fans get so will get so much more out of the experience the atmosphere if they simply go with it and just be part of it mm -hmm. and I'm not saying yep. wild you know, blindly cheer Roman Reigns after he's been pushed down our throat for so long but just go with it just enjoy it if you yeah. if, if there's a heel doing great work boo him louder don't cheer him if there's a baby face who you enjoy, cheer him. It's panto. Look, it's pantomime atmosphere, and that's what makes it, makes it so fun in the arena. Get into it. If you want to chant your sister to get yourself over, it's, you know, it's your prerogative, but it does make for, it, it makes for a weird atmosphere, and I think what the crowds are doing in Blackpool, and I think what we see more evidence of nowadays, is so positive to enjoying good wrestling, and long may it continue. 
I want Dean to have the final word, but before doing so, I just want to mention that uh, you know Dean is a performer. He's someone that's been all over the country doing his thing as a as a heel manager, and predominantly you you may have worked babyface a wee bit, mate, but I, you've been predominantly heel whenever I've seen you. So, do you ever want anyone to cheer you? Do you get a nice little warm fuzzy feeling when people go hooray? It's Dean, or do you want them to boo you heavily? God no, I want them to boo me heavily. It's um, you know, it's it's great when I'm I'm uh, doing the heel manager stick, and you kind of, I, I've had it before where you you listen out, you know, in the dressing room, the crowd sounds a little bit muted, and you're thinking, oh god, they're they're not going to be uh, very responsive, and then I come out, and you know, you you feel the volume go up, and you get a torrent of abuse. It, it's exactly what um, what you want to hear, and uh, instantly you can hear me uh receive that torrent of abuse next on February the 21st at St Paul's in- <laughs> <laughs> oh that's magnificent say that again I think I might have, I might have made a noise over that say it again I, I said that I'll be next performing as the uh, twisted genius heel manager extraordinaire for premier promotions on February the 21st at St Paul's Centre in Worthing awesome there we go let you get the full plug in that was my fault for uh um, dropping some of that plug and also uh, Dean just, just quickly 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 mention your podcast before we let you go this is also the day before February the 20th I'm commentating for IPW in Canterbury at the Westgate Hall we have Return of the Pack Pack comes back to IPW for the first time in something like seven or eight Once years um, my podcast that I do with uh, Liam Happ is because WCW we look back over um various old WCW pay-per-views or watch along with a Nitro episode um, and that is um, at, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at BecauseWCW find us on uh, iTunes or BecauseWCW.podbean.com Lovely stuff, Dean Ayas there you can see him at one of those shows what he just plugged Was you listening? Um, I think you said something about Worthing or Premier yeah, promotions, yeah, Premier promotions, 21st of February, stuff like that. Anyway, uh, you should have coughed over him again, mate. Yeah, I was, I was really wondering what you were doing if you'd have coughed over him a second time, which kept it. Around. See how many times we could have got him to plug it and keep coughing over it. Just keep doing it, yeah. So we're probably still doing it now, somewhere on the end of a line somewhere. But uh, we we also on this no plug show, we also won't uh, uh, plug the fact that he's at Dean Ass on Twitter. You can follow him and. Uh, uh, follow his his various different problems with different delivery companies <laughs> and insurance companies and other issues he has in, in his stressful day-to-day life. Um, <laughs> you think he's a heel when he's there working ringside. You haven't seen nothing like on his social media, boys. Uh, anyway, yeah. I, I thought it was a really... In all seriousness, Paul, I, I really enjoyed that discussion. I thought that was a lot of fun. It was a fun show and it was a fun way of following it up. Yeah, I enjoyed that immensely. I think it, it helps that we're all on a bit of a high. I think excitement levels have been heightened by takeover going into the Royal Rumble um, I'm feeling really positive mate that is good let us hope that positivity not only carries through into the Rumble but also all the way to Wrestlemania and beyond we are back here uh, with you on the Hooked On podcast all the way through the build to the Royal Rumble and through Wrestlemania for this season 3 of the podcast that means we will be back next week with our last podcast before the Royal Rumble is on so we'll be doing our sort of mopping up of uh, any sort of predictions or last minute bits of news we haven't really talked about it at all today so we'll be uh, we'll be covering all that possibly with a special guest next week uh, on the Hooked On podcast our last before the Royal Rumble and I'm afraid Paul I might have to drag you into making one or two more plugs than today is that okay deal Indeed. especially when no bugger buys a ticket because we haven't plugged it this week 
And then, so, but guys, get out and buy them. Otherwise, it will be Plug Central next week. Excellent. And we, uh, rather fittingly, since you're happy with that, we finish this show with a deal. Someone in this country still can manage that. There we are. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Okay, so on behalf of me, old pal, Showbiz Paul Benson, and me, Rob McNichol, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, as I forgot to say the last couple of weeks, it's wrestling. Enjoy it. We'll see you very soon.